Hello, coffee lovers. It is uh, a little bit early. We're just a couple of, uh, we're probably right on the money now. Uh, there's my co-host that's uh, uh, popping in. Uh, welcome to the show. First and foremost, I'm going to thank God, like I always do, for everything that he does, uh, especially for this beautiful co-host that I have here. And um, I just, uh, we're so grateful for all the things that God is doing uh, in our lives, in the business. Um, I I don't deserve it. I know I don't. Uh, and I get really emotional when I think about that stuff. But um, Am I supposed to hear something in here? Yeah. Do you hear? No. Do you hear now? What? Uh, yeah, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got to get the text straight. You probably straight. have my mic off too, don't you? No, I, no, I don't you have your mic up. off. No, I'm smarter than that. I do not have your mic off. <laughs> um, what I wanted to do tonight before we got started with our special guest uh, is I want to do a quick video uh, for Ashley Williams. I'm going to put the comments. I haven't figured out how to all my comments that I put on the on the thing here. They, they go straight to um, uh, YouTube and I don't and you don't see them. And so what I'm going to do is um, is while I'm showing the video, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to uh, let's see share. I'm going to I'm going to put these comments so you can see them on, on Facebook. And so I'm going to share my screen. And then I'm going to go to different windows. Right there. Jimmy, hang on, hang tight, brother. I'm going to start with this video. Uh, we are doing we're trying to support this mission. These guys are doing God's work. Um, and I'd never been to a third world country before, and it was literally uh, life changing. Um, and so I'm going to play this video for you real quick, and then we'll get started with Jimmy. Hello, coffee lovers. JR with Third Day Coffee Seguin. And again, we're doing yet another live. You'll get tired of them by the end of the weekend, I promise. Uh, so right now you can see we're at the uh, on the top of a mountain, um, literally at, at the top of a mountain. And we're on the uh, farm, Ashley Williams Farm. It's Legacy Farms Coffee. And one of the things that I tell people all the time that we are, that we are trying to raise money uh, to support the mission that he's doing here. And part of what he's doing is building a building where he's going to be able to do a church, a library, uh, classrooms, and then also uh, be able to do a clinic. And that, they don't have a doctor like they just go to regularly. They have to schedule and do a clinic a couple times a year. And so they'll do some triage here and then they'll run them into the building. And so part of it, because it's on the side of a mountain, you have to build retention walls. And uh, I'm going to let Ashley uh, walk into the field here and uh, show you exactly what's going on. First thing we had to do was establish an address, and so we built a toilet. And so we have a bathroom up top, and with that we were able to set up an electric pole and get electricity. Uh, the taxi driver came in, climbed up the pole, and hooked up the electricity light for us. And so now we have a light and a toilet, so that's about all you need. And then we started digging this out with our uh, Dudley Chancey donated us a skid steer, and uh, we started digging it out. And it's taken about a month to get all this dug. We got to where we couldn't use the machine anymore, so the guys finished the last 12 days by hand. We've hauled in probably 100 meters of giant, just little boulders, uh, and that's what we've made the retaining wall out of. A couple hundred bags of cement, three or 400 bags of sand. And so at this point, we're finishing up the retaining wall today. On Wednesday, we'll actually break ground on the foundation of the church, 
And then when the mission teams start coming up, the foundation will be poured. They can come and lay blocks. Uh, the goal is by the end of the year, it's open and running. Uh, the first half of the building is going to be one story for now, but it'll be built to go to a second story when the clinic expands into a dental clinic. Um, first, we're going to start out with a women's uh, internal clinic, and then we'll have a, a dentist about every two months. We'll come out for a couple of days. The library will be open every day, and then the church will be open on Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, the rest of the time, the library will use that. We're hoping to have 700 to 1,000 books, um, spiritual kids, fun books. All right. Uh, I just given you a little taste there of what we're doing. And I see that my comment came up in the, uh, and I'm going to bring Jimmy on cause he's, his heart, uh, lines up with mine. And so, uh, we are, we always look up for everything that we, uh, that we need to do and everything that we should be doing. And so, uh, I'm going to bring him on. I'll finish that in just a second. Oh, I need to fix that. Jimmy. Good brother. I'm so, so excited to be here today, man. It's been a minute, man. I'm so glad I could be here. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's been a little bit. And and just for those of you who don't, uh, well, first off, let me introduce my guest. My guest is Jimmy White IV. Um, and I met Jimmy on Clubhouse. Uh, we started a room called Veterans Praying, Praising, or whatever pops up on Sundays. And it started out as a, like, I, I didn't know how to start it, the room. So I started it with a Bible study. And the first time we did it, we lost electricity here in Texas. And, uh, and so, and then there was other days where I was so overwhelmed uh, that I didn't know what to do, but I didn't want to stop the room because it was gaining some ground. And so I reached out to Jimmy more than once uh, and asked him to facilitate that room, which he did, you know, without any argument whatsoever. Uh, and, and I will tell you personally, uh, and for all believers, you know, there's that one person that you meet sometimes in your life, you're lucky to meet several of them, but the way they speak to God speaks to your heart. And Jimmy is one of those people when he prays, it just, I mean, the hair on the back of my neck stands up, and stuff. <laughs> uh, but Jimmy, before I get, let you do your introduction, I just want to say one more thing about our mission. Uh, I'm going to, this, this link that is, I just put in the comments is a link to our, it's our website, but there, we have a whole page on our website dedicated to LF missions and the mission that's going down in Honduras. And uh, I had some other pictures too, but I don't know how to share them. I'm not going to mess with it, but uh, we were standing on the side of a mountain. I know everybody who follows my Facebook saw the picture where I'm playing. I think it's my, I think it's my, my, uh, whatever that's called. What's it called? My profile picture where I've got my. <laughs> around his coffee tree. What I didn't know when I first got up there and what I didn't know when Ashley took the picture was that about 15 feet behind me was about a 2000 foot drop. Wow. And so uh, these guys, <laughs> the locals, they're like running up and down the mountain, like it's nothing. And I, I mean, if I would have known that I was that close to, you know, that far of a drop, I, pr I probably wouldn't, have, I probably wouldn't go out there, <laughs> but uh, just, if, if you get a chance uh, and you're and you're watching or you watch the replay, uh, even if you don't go to the page and 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 donate, please share it. Uh, we are doing the best that we can to try to raise money. After seeing how people live in a third world country, um, it, it just it just changes you. It just makes the way that you think about uh, and and of course 100% what Ashley's doing is sharing the God 
sharing the message of God first. And so um, without further ado, Jimmy, tell us uh, where you grew up and what led you to join uh, the military. Yeah, definitely. And and I so appreciate you making that that missionary trip out there and doing that. You know, and and I can just see it in your face and I can hear it in your voice that your your heartstrings were 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 pulled. And and now that you're moving in that that mission and that purpose of spreading God's message, even in Honduras, it's it's so humbling to see people in strife but still overcoming. I love to call it this. This idea, and, and you see this throughout the Bible, where you see people go from this, um, from uh, striving and struggling to thriving in the spirit, striving in ministry, striving in the next thing that God has them to do. And I can just see that all over your face right now. So, so, so appreciate that, and I, I so appreciate our um, brotherhood and, and our fellowship. So I'm just, I'm just excited to be here. If you can't tell already. Um, but a little bit about me. So first and foremost, I am a South Philadelphia native. You know, Will Smith goes West Philadelphia, born and raised. I was South Philadelphia born and raised and, and grew up in a, a pretty rough part of the, the inner city and was really blessed. You know, it's, it's interesting in, in high school and sports and everything else. You know, I probably would have been named the guy that was most likely to succeed. You know what I mean? I, I was MVP of the basketball team. I was um, a good um, service leader in the community and in the school and stuff like that. And I went to college and I messed up. <laughs> so um, I went to college once, I dropped out and I, I went to college twice, um, twice by the age of 20. And I dropped out both times. So my mother pulled me aside and she said, Jimmy, you got two choices. You can either go at work at McDonald's or you can join the military. And I said, mama, I can't work at McDonald's because they will fire me for showing up late and eating up all the food. So I guess I'm joining the military. <laughs> and it was uh, it was literally the best decision that my mother made, made for me, right? So, uh, I, I, I signed up to be in the Navy and I wound up getting a pretty good score on a nuclear power exam, which is one of the toughest exams for enlisted uh, service members. And I remember going home and, and seeing my dad and I said, dad, I'm joining the military, I'm joining the Navy. And I just passed the nuclear power exam. So I have a choice of being on aircraft carriers or submarines. And I said, Dad, I'm not going on submarines because my father was a Submariner. He was a Submariner during Vietnam. Um, and he said, and uh, I said, I'm going on aircraft carriers because one, there's girls on aircraft carriers, which there are. <laughs> um, I don't have to work as hard. And that's true. On aircraft carriers, you don't work as hard as on a submarine. And last but not least, I heard a rumor that there was McDonald's on the submarines. <laughs> I mean, on an um, aircraft carrier. And there is no McDonald's on aircraft carriers. There is none. Trust me, there's, there's none at all. I asked my people afterwards. And my dad turned to me and said, you're going to be part of the submarine service. You're going to be part of the brotherhood. And you're going to, you're going to man up, right? So <laughs> real quick story. Um, my very first time out to sea is 2002, and we're going to Halifax, Nova Scotia. And the thing about Halifax that Samaritans love the most is that there's like seven female colleges in Halifax, uh, Canada. <laughs> so every Samaritan on board is ready to hit port. We've been working hard on this stuff. You know, Samaritans, we, we work hard, we play hard. That's a universal message all across the military. So I'm... Um, we're going over there and it's my first time out to sea. 
The sea states are crazy. We're not diving because there's some shallow water. And it's, it's just a miserable underway to begin with. And I mess up royally, royally, my very first underway, to the point that the captain got on the, the 1MC, the speaker system, and said, liberty is secured until we fix what Petty Officer White messed up. <laughs> my very first time out to sea. Um, but here's the cool part of that story. This is how God works, right? So even though I did mess up, and trust me, I messed up royally, um, all the junior enlisted and junior officers were ragging me. Like every time they walked by me, they would hit me with a shoulder and they were like trash talking me and they were like, um, they were calling me every name in the book. But the senior enlisted and the senior officer said, you know, Petty Officer White has been on board the submarine for like two or three months. And the whole entire time he's bust his butt from the second he got on the submarine to the second he, he doing his qualifications, you know, we're going to rally around him. So to have that leadership around me and for God to put those people in my life, because that could have been a really, really nasty situation as you, you can imagine. Um, luckily, they fixed it like an hour before we hit port. <laughs> magically. <laughs> I won't, I'll spare you guys the details, but it was magically fixed and Liberty was not secured. When we hit Halifax and we hit it pretty hard, there's a beer, there's a beer dome in Halifax. I don't know if you guys know that one, but there's, there's, Halifax is a, is a pretty crazy city for uh, for uh, for a port call. But I remember I got off that submarine and I hit the port, and this is how long ago it was. Um, there was a payphone on the port, on on the, right right there on the pier, and I I called my father up. And it was the only time in my life that I ever cursed up my father. <laughs> I said, I can't believe you made me be on submarines. I can't believe you made me do this. This is the worst decision ever. Blibbly blop, blibbly blop. And then hung up on him. <laughs> um, but fast forward many years later, and I wound up being a fast tracker, junior cell of the year, three Navy achievement medals. Um, you know, really, really found my niche in my, my passion for maintenance, repair, fixing stuff, discipline, character, leadership, all those things were brought out of my time on the submarine. And it really set me up for success that I've had throughout the rest of my life. So I know uh, I'm an old salty sailor, so just, just stop me when I'm finished stories, but to, to kind of sum it all up, um, I went into corporate America, did really good in corporate America, managing buildings and building operations for large corporate portfolios. And, um, and now, I'm, my goal and my mission really is to empower others through my speaking, through my ministry, and to elevate as many people as possible. The, the cool lesson that I learned on the submarine is this, is that leaders are elevators. And I know that sounds weird. It's like, what do you mean an elevator? Like they elevate stuff? I'm like, no, no, elevator with an O-R, like an actual elevator, elevator that goes up and down. And here's the cool part about that um, that representation, which fits biblically as well, is that what leaders will always do is they'll always rise to the top. Think about it. If you look in um, biblical leaders, uh, Abraham, Moses, Moses, Isaac, um, they all kind of rose to the type. Samuel, if you, you keep on going, going up the list. Um, you saw them do this uh, progression as they built more wisdom and more knowledge, as God gave them more wisdom and knowledge, how they begin to progress. But the really cool elevators, elevators come back down. So the good leaders come back down, help those that are really in need, 
and then bring them up to the level that they need to go to. And I really learned that from my time of service. And I'm trying to instill that in everything that I do today, which is a long list. I won't get into it, but I'm so, so excited to be here. I love that uh, analogy that, I mean, that's, uh, I've never heard it put that way before. But that's a whole sermon right there. Right? <laughs> that's a good one. Cause man. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to back up just a little bit because uh, you're obviously, at, of course, I know already the, where your faith is. But uh, at what point did you surrender your life to Christ? At what was this? I mean, did you did you go to uh, like I went to church my whole life, but I wasn't in Christ. I was in church. So talk to me about your walk. Brother, we, we are so similar, similar in that sense, because I, I grew up um, Baptist. Um, I grew up in Sunday school and vacation Bible study and all those good stuff. And I was going through the routine, but I wasn't part. I wasn't filled with the spirit to just keep it super, super simple. And I didn't find Christ until a, a later day. But I went through as a teenager and even as a young adult, I went through every denomination that you thought possible. I went from uh, <laughs> being Baptist. I went from being uh, non-denominational. I went to being a Presbyterian. Um, I also went to a Catholic church for a little bit. Like I got the spices of everything that was available out there to try to really understand this concept of religion and like what I was seeking for. And I, I, I was, it's interesting for my, I think my 10th or 11th, when I was 10 or 11, my mother brought me for Halloween, a priest outfit. Like my brother was like a ninja and my other brother was like uh, a police officer or something like that. But no, not Jimmy. Jimmy has has, has, has a collar and this robe on. And everybody like, what are you? I was like, my mama said I'm a minister. So, so like that, that's, what, that's what I was. But I always kind of rejected that. Um, it was really when um, I met my wife. So my wife is an amazing, outstanding, unbelievable, God-fearing woman. Um, about 2014, after... Uh, my submarine was part of uh, shock and awe, the beginning of Operation Iraqi Freedom. When we came back from that, I went through a really tough depression and a really tough transition dealing with being in service at a time of war, what we were doing. I had a, emotional conflicts with it. Um, and when me and my wife started dating, I saw this, this glow that she had in her. And I was like, what is that and how does that work? Um, the other thing that I was doing at the time is I was praying. Like I didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent right with God, but I was praying my heart out. I'm literally on this submarine on my knees next to my deck in the middle. Like, you, I think you might know a little bit about birthing and how, how birthing is set up on a submarine is like these tiny racks that you sleep in. And it's this real narrow aisle. And it's always dark because there's always a group that is sleeping. So when everyone slept and everyone moved out of the way, I will wake up and I will be praying. And the prayer that I, I would say that I would constantly do, and I, I challenge young people to do this now as they begin to look at romantic relationships and building a relationship and getting to the point of marriage, is I specifically prayed for a God-fearing wife that would um, be an amazing mother to my kids. And I prayed that night at the night for years um, until I, I, I came across my wife. And when we got together and started dating, it was it, it clicked and it was there. And I knew the most important thing was is that she was God-fearing. And that God-fearing uh, spirit that she had 
was like like we, we use the analogy, you know, if you uh, if you want to get um, get warm, you got to get close to the fire. And she had that that Holy Ghost fire in her. So I need to get close to it. And I was literally like flying her out to Boston where I was at in station. Like I'm I'm spending like hundreds of dollars a, a month on Southwest to get her there so we could be there and go to church services and talk and, and fellowship and stuff. And it was really the first time I walked into her church. Um, her church was um, her family's church. In South Philadelphia, and I remember I was in full uniform, like I was, I was ready to show off. Y'all, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. When you get, you show up, you got your chest candy on, you got your, your shoes are all polished and everything. And um, I, I stepped inside, and I felt what I can only describe as love for the first time when I walked in. Everyone was welcoming. The spirit was high. People were singing, praising, dancing, shouting. And I'm like, what did you just get me into? <laughs> like, where, where, where am I at? People are speaking in tongues and all this stuff. And look, I tell you, I went for the Baptist and the Catholic church. We didn't do none of that stuff back there. There was this fire that was going and spreading around the, the church. And, and you know, the scripture tells us that when the Holy Ghost falls, it's like a fiery tongue. And it comes and flows through. And I'm just sitting there getting little glimpses and little touches of it. And I'm like, yo, this is it. I'm at the right place at the right time, in the right season with the woman that God has had me to, to be with. And like, that's when it really clicked. That's when I knew I was going in the right direction. So at, at that moment, um, a little bit before we got married, um, I was baptized and, um, and my life changed. You know, I was like, I remember I got baptized one weekend. I come back to the submarine the next week off of leave. And the guys are like, there's something different about you, Jimmy. Like you aren't the same dude, you know, like you, you're not cursing like you used to curse, you know, you're cursing like a sailor. You amplify that on a submarine, you know, like I, I never forget, like one of the first tasks that we had to do myself as like a, a petty officer in a leadership role is I had to tell somebody to, to clean something, right? So I went to this junior guy and I said, hey buddy, um, here's all the tools, here's the supplies, do me a favor and, and go clean this so, you know, so the chief won't be upset. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And then this other senior guy was with me, walked up to him, said, hey, do this bleepity bleep job right now. And he's like, well, why didn't you say the magic words? I was like, I had to say bleepity bleep to get you to do something. But that's kind of how life was in the military and on, and on the submarine. So, um, but I wasn't that person anymore. You know what I mean? I, I began to realize that I needed to be an ambassador for Christ. If I'm an ambassador for Christ, I got to mimic that in everything that I do, everything I say, the way I walk, talk, eat, sleep, and dress. And I started that in my time on, on the submarine. It was a journey and it was tough. It was, is you can imagine um, 110 armory Samariners trapped underwater uh, <laughs> and the, the emotions run high, but really it was that prayer. It was really the reading of the scriptures. It was beginning to listen to gospel music. Um, you know, I put the, I put the Jay-Z CDs away and I started listening to Donnie McClurkin and that like changed my life, you know? So it was like, um, that amazing experience and journey that really propelled me to the next level. I was already a good sailor. Um, my journey with Christ made me not just a good sailor, but a good person. And, and I haven't turned back since. That's awesome. Do you have any questions? No, I just 
we'll okay. think about it because I like I like her to ask. She asks much better questions than I do. Well, I <laughs> she's much um, smarter I was, than I was me. Let's try not to butt in. Um, yeah, no way. My mic off because I just want to make sure he's going to actually let me talk. He promised he would. <laughs> <laughs> would you? Ah. I love it. For a God-fearing woman, actually know what you were praying for? Did you have? I did, um, you know what? I mean, a little bit I did. Because number one, my mother was a God-fearing woman. And my mother was this amazing electric woman that could just light up a room with her goodness and with her grace. And, and I know I wanted that. I wanted a woman that had that grace. And, you know, real talk is, you know, my mother never had, uh, my mother and father weren't, weren't married. Um, and she never had a man in her life, a God-fearing man that could stand as a role model for me, but also could be that um, that companion that she deserved, you know, that, that she could be the rib for that man. Um, she never was able to have that. So I always had it in my head. I was like, look, when it comes my time, when I'm able to choose, I'm choosing a God-fearing woman that has grace and style as my mother had, but has this deep passion for, for Christ. And, and even taking one step further that I knew would be an amazing mother for my children. Um, and as a Samariner, as someone that traveled the globe and someone that uh, going around, I might've, uh, I might've, I might've uh, tested the dating pool <laughs> a, a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, by, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time is that, look, learn from my mistakes. So, you know, I was in, in a worldly way, people be like, oh, you were blessed because you, you know, you dated like singers and models and, 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 and things like that. But I tell you what, I take my wife any day of the week over anybody else for whatever um, natural gifts that they have, um, which my, my, my wife has many of those as well. But the, um, the, uh, the spiritual gifts that my wife have. Um, uh, can, can we be real? I'm gonna be real, real, real with you guys because I, uh, that's all we can do in, in fellowship. Is this is that when I was um, when I got out of the military, I wasn't a, I wasn't a great husband, and I wasn't a great father. I was really bitter, and I I didn't know how to transition into the civilian world or even the veteran world. Like I did not classify myself as a veteran. I I did not take that title when I left because I was. I was part of this really deep entrenched submarine force on my sub. Like we were, we were brothers, you know, like literally our lives depended on each other and we had that deep bond. And now I was completely taken away from my brother, brothers in a time of war. I got out in 2006 and I, and part of me resented the fact that I got out because I felt like I left my brothers behind, um, which was really tough. And it took me, almost a decade to um to figure that out but it was really god's grace and mercy that softened my heart but I, I was not i was not a very good husband and not a good, very good father um to my children for those first couple of years when i got out of the military but it, it was really my my wife's my wife prayers my wife praying um I, I tell the story you know my my wife uh i remember one time i was ready to walk out the house and my wife you know pleaded the blood of jesus at the door and said not going to happen <laughs> it ain't gonna work, you know. She got that anointing oil and rubbed it on everything in the house and said, "God, make a way to 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 um to strengthen my husband to to fix my my husband." And I'm so 
so thankful for me. It was really my work in the church and um, and growing in church. I never thought I'd be a minister. Um, I always thought I'd be that person in the background helping out, fixing something, um, running one of the uh, the building fund. Give me that. I'll do the building fund. <laughs> something like that. Um, everybody wants to do the building fund because that never gets done, right? So, <laughs> and we um, and I'm there, and I'm like, and God is just like God is growing inside me and there's things that I can't even control. And I'm saying things and I'm doing things. And I'm like, who is this person that's standing in front of the congregation doing these things? And, and to the point that my, my father-in-law, who's the Bishop of our church, um, who is a, a military veteran as well, uh, Air, Air Force veteran. He, um, he saw it fit to put me as a minister in training, even when I wasn't ready. So God had that call in, on me. And I love what God does. God always confirms his word and he'll always give it to an elder. He'll always give it to someone to co-sign. So when I'm in my, in this mindset, like God's putting a calling on my heart, he put that on my father-in-law, my pastors, my bishop's heart. And he turned around and said, guess what? You're a minister in training. You're going to start using this gift and this tool that God gave you, this, this gift of gab that I have, as you can <laughs> tell, and you're going to do it to God's goodness and to God's glory and not to your own personal gain. And like my life, just like when I begin to serve and I begin to minister and I begin to be part of um, the church leadership, um, it made me a better man. So it made me a better man at work. It made me a better leader and manager at work. It made me a better person in the community. It softened my heart to things that before I would have been harsh to. It made me a better father where I can have more resiliency. I can have more compassion. I can I can not have a quick temper um, and I can use scripture when I need to calm myself down and, and figure out what type of um, techniques I need to use. And then last but not least, it made me a better husband where that, you know, before when me and my wife would fight and argue, I would not be able to express myself very well. And, and I was I was shut down and, and I was just not, honest truth, I was just not a very good husband, but my wife has always consistently been an amazing wife. And, um, and now I can say that what we do is that before she was supplementing me, but God flipped it around that we now complement each other where, you know, we're like, we're like the ultimate tag team. Like we already know what we want to do before we do it. And sometimes all we got to do is do the look. Y'all don't want to talk about all you got to do is some, some situation. All you got to do is be look like, oh, we ain't doing that. And then she'd be like, oh, we ain't doing that. And then we hop off and we keep on stepping in the way that Jesus has us to go. Where before that would have been knuckle, draw out, call the bishop. We need intervention. Like we, it would have been, <laughs> been all that. And and that's really when I, I started to see see that grow and I started to see that journey. So, you know, that God fearing wife, look, look God, God, Look, God gave me the gift of, of, of salvation and the Holy Spirit, and he gave me a helpmate. And I tell you what, I needed that helpmate so much more than I thought <laughs> that, that I needed. And I tell everybody, she's my she's by far, by far my, my better half. She is, um, I, <laughs> I say it this way, um, I married up. <laughs> so, you know, I married, I married above my station. I was not at her level, especially spiritually. Like, here's a cool thing. So my wife, when we were dating, my wife had graduated college. She had her own job, her own house, her own savings account. Like my wife didn't need me. My wife wanted me, which was, which really messed me up. Right. So, so I'm like, I'm up here dating all these other young ladies and I'm paying for everything and doing everything. And my wife's like, I don't need your money. I don't need this. I don't, I don't, I don't need that. 
I want you and see how we're going to grow together in, in this relationship. Uh, but I, I made a mistake. I was doing a youth presentation once and I told somebody, I told the audience and said, yeah, I married up. Uh, and if, if you're looking to marry somebody, always marry up, marry above what you're currently at to get to where you're trying to get to. And this director of the program shouted out in the middle of my presentation that if your wife, I mean, if you married up, that means your wife married down. And I was like, whoa, like in the middle of my presentation, he just turned around and said that I was, I was crap. I was like, and, and it's a new presentation, so I can't just be like my slick tongue and say something mean back to her. I had to come back. I had to come back with something, and God gave me, God gave me this. God said, uh, I, so I turned back to her. I said, "Look, I married up, and my wife married potential." <laughs> so that's kind. Of, <laughs> God had gave her a vision of where I was going to be that I didn't even know I was going to be there yet. So I'm so thankful uh, that my wife didn't kick me to the side, and she stuck around with me through those really tough years. Dude, that's so awesome. Uh, it's weird because when you like one of the things you said, like Connie and I always, you know, we've over our we've we've been married for I don't know, forever. yeah, forever. <laughs> seventeen, maybe somewhere around there, but seventeen. Seventeen, but the first thirteen were terrible, and it wasn't until God, I let God finally in because he'd been trying to work on me for years, and I just ignored him and I ran from him. But once I surrendered, once I realized that without him, I had no hope whatsoever and I let go and I let God do his thing. Uh, that was the first time in our marriage. And we had already been married 13 years. Who very stays long, very years. long, 13 years. But that was the first time that we fell in love with each other. I love that. We'd been married for 13 years. Wow. Wow. Wonderful testimony. I'm, you know, the only reason we were married is because God had bigger plans. And I didn't know that at the time, but I knew he had plans for us that I that I didn't even understand. I, I had no clue where, you know, we're that far off. And I still don't, you know, but I know that we do have a great testimony. And, and uh, one of the other things that you said also was like, you know, you know, I didn't know. I did marry up. I definitely married up also. And Connie grew up you know, in church, she gave her life at a young age. You wow. know, we both, you know, wandered because of me, I'm sure, because there was no leadership in the house, you know, but once I surrendered, you know, then our, then our marriage changed also. And when, once that changed, you know, we got involved in the church and, and, you know, the church that we went to, you know, you go visit churches and you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But we went to this church. We were going to go to a church here in Seguin, uh, because it was going to be a combat veteran that was going to do the sermon that day. And I'm like, wow, well, I want to go there. Right. And so, but I had been riding my bike past this church for a while that I had been seeing. And I'm like, I woke up like at five 30 that morning, just like weird. It was odd. And I was like something, no, I, I we, we can't go there. And I looked up that church and I said, Hey, you know, look, I want to go to this church. She's like, Oh, that's a Baptist church. They do, they do Sunday school at nine. And then, you know, they probably have a breakfast or something, and then you do church at 1030, whatever. And so we we decided to go to that church. That's not exactly how it went. Let me tell you. When we got married, I knew we needed to be in church. So we said, okay, well, I will follow my husband. He was raised Catholic. So, <laughs> right? so we go to the Catholic 
church and it's really quiet in there. Let me tell you, they're really quiet. And I, so <laughs> we tried it a few times. I'm like, Jennifer, I don't think I can do this. I love you, but not, I can, can we try something else maybe? So <laughs> then he had a friend who was, a, his dad uh, was a preacher at a Pentecostal church. Wow. So, Catholic to Pentecostal. So, <laughs> well, it's a joke. <laughs> so we went there for a little bit, and um, that was different. But we went. Um, it was, we learned a lot. And then we kind of stopped going. We got lazy. You miss one Sunday, you miss 10 Sundays, you miss five years. So, so then we decided we have this talk. We've got to get back in church. We've got to get back in church. Okay. Well, I said, I, I know where I want to go. There's a church right here. I want to go. Okay. We're going to go. And then the morning we're fixing to go, he gets up and goes, we're not going there. Well, here we go again. The one time I picked something, we're not going to go. So I'm like, no, you said we were going to go. And I picked the church. And how come we have to go to that church? Like, I drove by it on my bike. And I said, why can't we go to my church? I drove by it every time I go to Walmart. Right. So, so anyway, I'm mad. I'm secretly mad because I never get my way. Right. So anyway, we ended up going to the church, uh, the country church, which uh, was probably a game changer. That's awesome. And and it's funny because you know how like a lot of times people will go to a church for a while. You know, they want to check everything out. They want to check the pastoral staff out and they want to check out the people and they and so the and and I love my church. I love it. We're but it's a very old country church. Gotcha. So most of the congregation is, you know, AARP and you know mm -hmm, same here. Oh, I'm, sorry because, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to There's nothing wrong with throw you under the bus. Nothing wrong with it. No wrong, nothing wrong with it. Look, that you're not. They're, they're not. They're not old. They're young in the spirit. They're not old. They're young in there the you spirit. Go. And so we walked in, and uh, they, they, they. I'm older than Jr. By the she's way. a few years older. She's a couple. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I can't tell. Look, 25. There you go. <laughs> So we go to church and they, we go to the, you, the first time you go to Sunday school, they, they, you go to the pastor's class. And, uh, and so we went to the pastor's class and we're looking at each other and <clears throat> granted, I grew up Catholic, went straight to Pentecostal. I don't know nothing about altar, altar call. I don't right, know nothing right, right. about stuff. Right. And so I love this pastor. He's an old cowboy and I just love him. He's like my dad, but he doesn't cuss. And so, <laughs> My dad was an was he was, I love my dad was he almost walked on water but every word I, he's the only person I knew that could do an entire paragraph right and use like two words that were not cuss words I mean the rest <laughs> of all vulgarity and so anyway uh, this guy's like my dad just he's a god man you know and right. so uh, we go to church and I loved it and it's like he was talking to me I was like oh my god I love this church. And so they get they get ready for and I'm just singing because that it's time to sing you know right and uh, I I she Connie grabs my arm and here we go down the aisle and I'm like man what is what is going on here you know I, I didn't know what what that was and so we run right up there and uh, I'll let her tell what Butch said because it was just, funny he says what took y'all so long <laughs> <laughs> and then I love Connie it. said. I don't remember what I said. 
Connie said, when you know, you know. Oh, yeah, when you know. When you know, you know. I, I so love that that story. I had a very similar story the first time I went to the church uh, when I went in full uniform with my wife while we were dating. So I we go in and um, we're, we're a small corner storefront church. And um, and I sit in the back and I'll never, never forget it. Her her grandmother um, turns around. Sweetest lady you 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 you've ever met. Henri but sweet. And she turns around and she said, uh, uh-uh, baby, you can't sit all the way in the, in the back. You got to sit up front and get close to the fire. I was like, I was like yes, ma'am. I guess I got to get up close. <laughs> I guess I got to get up closer and, and be be a part of that. But that's you know, those are those. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Before I was telling you guys, and, and JR, I think you had the same experience where you were kind of chasing religion, right? So when you're chasing religion, you're trying to figure out what, what's the right routine, what's the right this and what's the right that. You can get so stuck in the the discipline of the regimen of your 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 religion instead of really working on your faith. And there's a difference, you know, there's a difference. There, there's synergy between the two. Um, religion is this regimen that you do consistently. You do it with discipline. You do it over and over again. And the Bible tells us to be consistent. It tells us to pray without ceasing. It tells us to to seek and to fast and to do these things, to honor the man of God and all these other stuff. The Bible tells us to do that. So there's structure in the church. It makes perfect sense. But the Bible also tells us that we got to figure this out. We got to start seeking out this mystery so that this mystery becomes an understanding for us. And, and I love this. The mystery for, for some of us is this, is that we now, through Jesus Christ, can have our own personal relationship with God. That you can now go to the Father yourself. You know, we use the analogy that the veil is going. And the veil was that veil that was the Ark of the Covenant um, behind it, and only the holiest of holies, only the high priest, only the, the head Levite was the one that's allowed to go back there. But guess what? You can now adapt that title of a Levite. You can now be that singer. You can now be that praiser. You can now be that music. You can now be that that high, your own high priest. And you can petition on to the Lord yourself because when he died in sacrifice, he now gave this own unique personal relationship with you. We have a personal savior. You know what I mean? So, so often, um, you know, we had this, this idea that, you know, um, God is too far to reach, that my arms are too short to reach God. But what God did is he sent his son to earth so that you can understand that you can have a relationship yourself. And, and, and that is the difference for me um, in my ministry and in my church, when we talk a little bit of difference about religion and about your faith, you come to church every Sunday, you pray, you sing, you might even shout and dance every once in a while and you pay your tithes. Guess what? It ain't enough. It ain't a, it ain't a ticket to heaven. You This is this cost. You can't pay for it. Number one it's free. So the fact that is free, and it means that no matter how rich you are or how much money you give or what percentage it is, that's not your golden ticket into heaven. Well, you know is Jesus said that I am the door. So if he is the door, he said, all you got to do is step through that door and step through for me, and you can now have salvation with my father. And, and, and that intimate personal relationship that he died just for me. And that realization, 
that 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 took everything for me to a, a whole nother level where I can turn around and say, yes, religion is great. Structure is great. The, the Bible tells us also not to um, neglect the fellowship of the saints. So we're supposed to still get together. We're supposed to be together, even if it's look. Right now we have in church. I don't know if y'all. I don't know if you. <laughs> I'm right now. This is fellowship right here. Us in this um in this virtual environment. Look, the church is alive and thriving. Anybody that thought that the pandemic was going to kill the church, you done messed up. <laughs> it, it might it might it might take down a couple of churches, but I, I guarantee you, those ones that are spiritually grounded those ones that are praying and fasting, those ones that are doing God's work and following his word and doing his will, God is still propping them up. God is still building. God is still growing. People are still coming through the church through the internet. Come on, saints. <laughs> right, exactly. I think that's another thing. You know, one of the things we like to talk about in JR, I thought, I think me and you said this one time in a clubhouse room, is imagine if the disciples had clubhouse. And they had the, the internet and they had that charge that Jesus gave them to go out and spread the word, to go out and show them by the love that you do. How they could you could you imagine um Peter doing a Facebook live? <laughs> you know, could you imagine Paul getting people uh, on Twitter, getting them hyped and upset with, with something that he had to say, rebuking somebody that's talking about. Oh, it's got to be the circumcision. Paul would have <laughs> Paul would have came right at the next. Like, ah, oh, it ain't about the circumcision. It's about your love for Jesus. Like, could you imagine yeah. those things? But the beauty of that is that we are now those. We are now the disciples. We are now the ones to spread that word. So we need to use our platform for that. We need to to do that in a way that we bring people further into Christ instead of rejecting them. You know, the Scripture tells us that we live by the Spirit of reconciliation, not by the spirit of condemnation. And so often we as Christians are sometimes characterized in our religion as those that are pushing people away. It's the exact opposite of how Jesus lived. This, this is the thing I love about Jesus. Um, I say this, and some people take this the wrong way, but we family, so I'm going to say it. Um, Jesus was the most gangster person ever to live. Most, most gangster ever to live. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, look, I'm from South Philly. So when I say gangster, I don't necessarily, I don't mean Jesus was robbing and stealing or anything like that. But Jesus was, was this amazing teacher. He was this amazing talker. He was this amazing mover and shaker. And that's what a gangster kind of was in my, my community. Better say that Jesus was a change maker and Jesus is, was making change in everything he was doing. He would go to a place and he would do a miracle. He would go to a place and he would teach in a parable. And, and this is the thing I love about Jesus and his parables. Um, JR, why do you think Jesus taught so much in parables or your personal opinion? Just your personal opinion. There's no wrong answer. What's your personal opinion? Well, I think because people probably couldn't understand if he spoke like so he had to do use a parable so they could understand to get on their level because he's so ahead of it. So that is relatable. Think about this. There was a time where you had the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the only ones that were um able to read the scripture. And even if you look at some of uh, our modern era times, there was times where people weren't allowed to have Bibles. There was time when people weren't allowed to read the Bible, that it had to be just this person and this person um, that was appointed, this priest or whatever, would only cherry pick the stuff that he wanted to say. Um, so with that being the case, what Jesus was doing is Jesus coming in and said, I'm going to teach you with these imagery. 
I'm going to teach it in the way that you get it. I'm going to teach you in, about these talents that you can understand because they understood farming. They understood stewardship. They understood savings and stuff like that. They understood the concept of a, a, a needle in it, uh, going through a needle or the, the faith of a mustard seed. They, they understood these concepts. And these are the things that Jesus taught with so that even now today, we can use analogies. We can use um, we can use language that's going to bring people in and draw them in to make it relevant. It's, it's one of the reasons why um, ministry is one of the most challenging things to do because you have um, in ministry uh, when when you get taught ministry, there's there's a lot of disciplines that you you learn. You learn the art of preaching. You learn the art of interpretation, and they all have different things associated with them. But you also have this slight poetic license to make it relatable to your congregation. And what happens is that poetic license gets taken and now it's part of an agenda instead of it being part of the word. So what I try to do is that if it ain't about the word, it ain't about it. And if it, if it's coming from Jimmy, I'm gonna give you that caveat first. And like, look, <laughs> the Bible does not say that Jesus was gangster. <laughs> That's 100% Jimmy and Jimmy's interpretation and his poetic license and me, trying to make it relatable to someone in South Philadelphia that might understand that concept, might understand that, oh, what he's talking about is that, um, I love this one. You know, when when uh, when Jesus uh, was confronted by um, the one of uh, one of the followers who wanted who came up to Jesus and said, hey, um, I want to be a disciple. I want to follow you. Um, I want to do whatever you do. And now I'm a good man. I do everything I'm supposed to do. I do my tithes, I do my offerings, I do everything I'm supposed to do. And um, and Jesus turned around and said, cool, give up everything. He's like, oh, Jesus, I don't know about giving up everything. Like, give up everything, like, sell it all. Get rid of everything, drop it all, and come with me. He then did the same thing. Like, like, come on, that's the best comeback that you can ever think of. Oh, you really? I, I tell you, people, I was like, oh, if you love me, show me. <laughs> and if someone tells you that they love you, tell them to show it with their actions, not just show it with their words. Um, and then Jesus took it one step further. He, uh, there was another gentleman that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to be part of, of your disciples. I'm ready to continue to walk. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said this. He said, cool. He said, come on with me. Drop everything. Let's go. Um, the guy turned back to Jesus and said, uh, before, before we go, let me bury my mother and father. Like, let them die first, and then I go with you. And Jesus had one of the best comebacks, I, I, I like, scripturally that I, I, I love so much, and it, it hit me so hard. Jesus came back to him and said, let the dead bury the dead. Can you, could you imagine someone saying that to you? You're like, yo, I like you. I like what you're doing. Or no, let's, let's take it into a, a, a natural sense. You know, you're going to get this job, and you're like, man, I really like this job. This job is really good. I just got to do a couple things before I get this job and then I'll take take the job. And then the hiring manager says, no, you got to give up everything. You got to come with me today if you want this million dollar salary. And you turn around like, man, I got to give up everything. You, you know, so here's Jesus saying, let the dead bury the dead. And one of the reasons why I love that Jesus said that line is because get this. Jesus already knew that he had power over death. So he already knew that he had the victory over it. So someone passing away in this natural sense 
was not the end of the world. He knew that if that person was living right, that person gave their life, that person was saved and had salvation, then guess what? They will rise again. So I can tell you to let the dead bury the dead because I know what the latter is going to look like. I know what's, what's waiting for me. I know what's better for them. You think, look, bury me in the ground all you want. I'm not worried about it because I know that those dry bones can raise right back up because that's what Jesus said they were going to be. So if I know that my dry bones eating up with millworms and everything else can give me this resurrected form that I'm not worried about, that I got, look, I'll be real. Look, we're we talking, we're going to be real. You know, my, my, mother, my mother was buried in like a gold casket. And um, it never really sat, sat well with me because I knew like my mother wasn't going to enjoy that. But I, you know what I do know my, my mother has? She has a heavenly mansion. And she's up there. Uh, hallelujah. She's, she's up there right now with my mother-in-law and, and with all the other saints and all those others pass on celebrating everything that's going on down here on earth right now. All that, whew, all the things that she spoke into my life. So when I, when I got that feeling, I'm not worried about the dead. I'm not worried about it. Let the dead bury the dead continue on. And, and those are the, the type of things that now as a minister, um, studying and learning and growing and hearing these things, I'm like, yo, if I was 25 and I heard that, like I would have gave up so much. Like if I was so so who am I? <laughs> who, who am I now to 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 um you know the, the scripture talks about um people being ignorant to the word. And when they use the term ignorant, they're not saying that they're ignorant in this point that they 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 um that they go against the word. It's the fact that they never had the word, right? They never kind of you know say I want to talk about they never digested the word. It was never available to them. So now that I have this wonderful gift that was given unto me, who am I now to rob somebody else? And, and, and this is the thing that I love. And I think this provides some synergy to what you guys are doing, you know, with the mission ministry and the things that you guys are doing with the church in Honduras. Just think of how many people are going to hear the message. Think about how many lives are going to be changed. Um, think about um and it's not, it doesn't have to be everybody. I challenge you right now. One of the things that um, my mother-in-law taught me and my wife when we were going through marital troubles was, and, and we still actually have, she, she hand wrote it and it's on our refrigerator to this day. It says, celebrate the small wins. Celebrate the small wins. I'm telling you guys, you guys are going to have so many small wins at that church. But the beauty of small wins, like anything else, it just takes that first win. You get that first win and then you start building and then you start growing and then the wins come over and over and over again and you just see the glory of God in it. But it starts with that little bit. It starts with that one win. It might be, let's, can I be real with you? So, so it might be in Honduras and you got that one neighborhood drunk in Honduras, <laughs> the community drunk. And that community drunk been sitting around sipping on his, his cheap wine for a long time. Y'all open up that church and he somehow scamper in. And now that community wino now becomes a community leader. That, that community, that person that was um, getting drunk on um, wine spirits is now getting drunk in the Holy Spirit. Like that type of those changes and migrations that can happen from what you guys are doing. I, I, I just can't wait to hear um, those testimonies. And JR, you know, one of the things I love to say that we have when we have our, our clubhouse on, on Sundays is that we overcome by our testimonies. That's scripture. Uh, we overcome by our testimonies. And those are the things that continue to 
build us up and keep us growing um, more and more. I know I'm an old salty sailor, so I talk for days. So uh, I'm going to let you guys talk. Uh, I, uh, I, I, Jimmy, I love to let you talk forever. Uh, <laughs> one of the reasons why, you know, I was, I was drawn to you in the groups. Uh, you know, I heard you speak and the way you speak to, about God is, is something that just speaks to me, you know, and, but, you know, some, a couple of things you touched on that I just wanted to, you know, yeah, to again, is one of the things is I think we're a culture today uh, where people want to check boxes. Yes. You know, like, okay, uh, yeah, I got baptized, check. Okay, uh, I go to I go to church every Sunday, check. I go to I go to Sunday school every week, check. Uh, I tithe, check, you know. And so you check all these boxes, but like you said, that doesn't save you. That doesn't give you salvation. Mm-mm. And, yeah. and so – and one of the other things is like my, you know, I grew up Catholic and my sister and my mother that I know they have a relationship with God. My mother wakes up in the word every day. Love she it. lives her life by the word. She goes to bed every night in the word, but she doesn't know it as a walk. She knows that as religion. Right. Because that's what she was taught. And so I think, and my sister's, my sister's, you know, She's very, I've taken, they both come to my church. They both come to Sunday school. Mm-hmm. She was like, I, I I answered all those questions that he asked in my head. I go, well, yeah, because you know it. You know it. You know it. <laughs> you know, but but they, they don't know it as a walk. They know it as, you know, religion. Right. And they, so, they haven't had the, that, that Holy Ghost experience, right? You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting that that's, that's something that... It, one isn't preached about as much as it, it should be. And it's something that some people say, you know, it was of those times. But um, the, the honest truth is that once you're in an environment where you see the move of God happen, where you see things happen, you know, one of the amazing testimonies in my my church is, is my father-in-law, an, an Air Force veteran who went through two brain surgeries, two brain surgery, blood clot on his left side and blood clot on his right side. And it was nothing but a miracle of God that one, he survived, but two, he came out with no illness, no handicaps. Uh, and, and, and is still at his age right now in his mid seventies, um, looking like he's 55 and, and um, still preaching the word every single Sunday. So when you, when you're connected to that, when you see the move of the spirit, when you see a miracle, a walking miracle, um, that's when you begin to, it's, it's not just a, a, a story, you know, it's, it's now, and this is the thing that we have to also, um, I, I, I catch myself and I have to say too, look, the Bible is not a collection of stories. It is historical facts backed up with historical data to teach you a historical lesson on how you should live today. And if you begin to take it that way, you know, you can you can look back at these things and you can see these reflections. You know, when you when you talk about the Catholic Church and the the routine and the ritual of the of religion, you know, I think of Paul. Um, Look at look at Paul. Paul says he was the most devoted of the most devoted. Um, he was the one that was more studious. He under he understood. Here's a cool thing about Paul as well. Paul understood the Christians almost as better, almost better than the Christians because he was that good of a hunter of them. So think about it. If you are hunting something down, you know, if you are if you are hunting wild horses, you need to know the 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 tricks and the trades of the horses. You need to know their habits and stuff like that. So here's Paul chasing down Christians 
persecuting them. The um, you know, he was the worst of the worst. Matter of fact, I'm sorry, say it the other way. He was the best of the best at persecuting them, and he was good at religion. But it wasn't until he had a life changing experience with Jesus that he understood faith, that he understood love, that he he could turn his his name from Saul to Paul and become this new creature. And we all need to adopt that. Look, once you go down in that water, the scripture tells you, you come up a new creature. So, you know, he got to change his name and then other people got to change his name. We don't change our names, but we need to adopt that change of life that I am now this, this new creature. So I, I love the way that you put that in the idea. And, and here's something I would challenge you because one of the challenges is that we were told to go out and spread the gospel. We were told to spread this love. And 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 sometimes it's even tough within our own family. Like my father is a is a a spiritual spiritual man, grew up Baptist. Um, and and every once in a while when we talk, he's in his mid seventies as well. He's like, like you know, I'm reading my I'm, I'm reading my Bible, son, and I'm, I'm studying. You ain't got to preach to me. And I'm like, Dad, I did not come here to preach to you. I just came to sit down and eat and drink a coffee with you and just just talk. But because of my light the light that Christ put into me and to shine, those become the conversations that we have. Those become the experiences that we have. And it's really those life-changing experiences of, of your closer connection and relationship to Jesus Christ that is what changed you from practicing a religion to walking in faith. And I, I love that so much. And I see it I see it all in your faces. I see it in your faces. <laughs> you know, uh uh, when I first got, uh, when I first surrendered my life, I had people around me that were awesome. And I had this one young man and he's, he got transferred out of the area. So he's not with us. He's, he's not with us. That's a terrible way to say it. he's still with us, but he, he's not <laughs> here. But uh, his name's William Davis. And he was a three time, three tour combat veteran, seen wow. all kinds of nasty stuff downrange. Um, and he, we were talking about sin one day. We we're talking about how just what you were talking about, how we're supposed to disciple. We're supposed to spread the message. He goes, but we get so caught up in tolerating everything because right. that's what our culture tells us to do. He says, you get so tolerated that that you won't, that you'll tolerate your neighbor all straight to hell. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what do you mean I'll tolerate him to hell? What am I doing? Right. Is this what you're doing is what you're not doing. Not doing. Come on now. And so if you're just going to tolerate and it's not and, and it's not like condemning, you're not supposed to look at your neighbors and say, oh, well, that guy's sinning. No, I but offend them. right. But I should be ready to offend them with the word of God. Say, hey, if you're not fully in this, if you haven't bought in all the way, if you haven't surrendered every fiber of your body to God, let me tell you about him. Yeah, I so I, I have a relationship with him. It's, it's interesting how, how you said that, because I, I I've I've preached on that um that same topic before you know it's 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 interesting because the the word of god um serves many uses it's our daily bread it's our instruction it is our inspiration it's our reconciliation um it's, it's also our comforter you know but the one thing that i love that we don't talk about enough is the word of god is our correction it corrects us. Think, think about how many times, like, I'm, I'm, you go, Jay, I already know. Think about how many times you've read a scripture and you were like, oh, man, I am <laughs> doing that. Come on, Connie, Connie knows. Like, look, I like, you read a scripture and you're like, oh, man, I'm falling a little short on that right there. Or, or you know, or, 
you know, am I am I honoring the uh, the 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 weak and, and the widow? Like, am I doing those things? And you, you got to question yourself. And what the word of God does, it does correction, but it does correction with love. So it'll 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 correct you, but it'll correct you in a sense that it's trying to build you up. And that is the same thing. You know, we we have we all have kids. You know, and sometimes we'll turn around to our kids and be like, "Don't ever do that again." I can't believe you did that. Blah blah blah. And you're putting all this negative attention and negative pressure. And what happens when you do that? Children, and we're all children of God, right? Um, we strive off your attention and your energy. Um, even if it's negative, if it's positive, great. If it's negative energy, I'm going to feed off of that as well. I want it because I'm getting your attention. I'm getting what I want from you, which is for you to pay attention to me and you to act like you care uh, about me. So here's the thing about uh, scripture and about disciples when we come together. We need to come with correction, but correction with love. You know, you're gonna get you're gonna get more flies with with honey than you are gonna with vinegar. So if you're trying to tell someone that look, um, you know, uh, right now you are living a life of of sin and you got eternal damnation right around the corner and you are the worst of of the worst. Guess what? That person's like, you want me to come back to your church? <laughs> you want me to come back here? Like, this is where I want to be? No. But if you do it in this sense and you turn around and, and this, I, I love this about my, my pastor um, as well, because he he speaks in, in stories and he speaks about his own personal experience. He, he once told a story about him as a, um, a trustee in our church and um, the pastor of the church um, was was preaching. And he said something that was a correction, but he knew that correction was for him. And he knew that God meant it for him and that the pastor meant it for him. So he literally stood up and walked out of the church and started crying because he was so upset that he was being preached at. And he got about a block, a halfway down the, the street, crying, bawling and upset when he realized that that was said for him for love and for correction and not to put him down. So he turned back around, walked in the church, and he ate every single part of that word that was meant directly for him. And that is the beauty of the word of God. The word of God will give you correction, but it will do it with love. And anytime that you show that love in it, you show that it's not animosity. You show that it's not putting people down. It's not belittling people. What it is is the exact opposite. We want you to correct yourself so that you can grow. We want you to correct yourself so that you can shine. We want you to correct yourself so that you can get closer to God and you can have this godly Jesus experience that, that we, we, we have, you know? And when you do it in that way, even if the person isn't receptive to it immediately, it softens their heart. And eventually, eventually, God, look, Jared, you talked a little bit before about how hard and you were as um as a um in your marriage when you first first started out. I was that same exact dude, you know. Um, I'm from South Philly, so I got this South Philly swagger and this South Philly grit, and I'm this tough kid from South Philly. And um, and, you know, I I I now I cry. Like I I I cry in the middle of sermons, I cry on a really good gospel song. <laughs> Um, I cry when someone's giving a testimony and it, and it touches my heart and I feel the spirit of, of the word. 
my my mother, my grandmother-in-law called me a crybaby one time, but she meant it in a good way, not in a bad way. And you know, for me to be able to do that, you know, six foot three, um, I got quarantine weight, so I'm now 260 pounds, and end <laughs> up to be able to tell you know young people that I love them and I care about them, and and I cry tears, and when I cry tears. They're not always tears of sorrow. Sometimes they're just tears of joy and that I can be vulnerable in that type of way. That's what that's what the word of God and that's what the 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 faith that you have in God can do to you. It can soften your heart so that you can be real. You can be vulnerable. You can be authentic in everything you you do. And I I so look, I, I wouldn't trade this for for anything in the world. I'll give you if someone said today, hey, it's either Jesus or 15 million dollars. I'm saying I'm taking Jesus. Every single day, every single hour, every single week, I'm rolling. I'm rolling with Jesus. Amen. I'm gonna wind us down a little bit, but before I do, I want to share some comments because some of these comments were were pretty good. Pretty good nice. that I missed uh, on the way down. And uh, the first one, Connie had us going over here, and my friend Mark put Mama Alanis <laughs> is killing it. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> and then, and then uh, Frank, my buddy, he's a he's a Marine. Oh yeah, I remember, right? Yeah, yeah, that look she gave you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a hey, hey, hold up. And or this one is so true right here. I wave <laughs> way above my pay grade. brother. Now I'm getting a little bit real because this guy uh, he wants us to reach out to him and yeah. uh, he wants you to send him a friend request. My, my buddy Mark, he's gonna come on the show, I think. Uh, uh next week or the following. He said, send shoot him a friend request. He really wants to talk to somebody. And this is this is the comment that he put up. And this is why I do what I do. Because God asked me to do it. And and somebody out there always oh, needs boy. to hear a story. Yeah. It might be your story. It might be my story. It might be somebody else that I have on the show last week or next week or the following month or whatever. But everybody has a message that God intends for somebody else to hear. Yes. And you never know what it is that's going to come out of your mouth. My wife has made me understand that because I, I, it took me a long time to drop the salty sailor language. Right, right. And, and the habits and the anger. And my wife always reminded me, you never know what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. Even if you're just talking to me or talking to your best friend or something, somebody hears it. And then right. you turn around. And if it's let's just say it's not something good, you know. And then you try to turn around and, and try to, you know, do a Bible study. And they're like, I know that guy. I heard him talking over there. Mm -hmm. You know, come on, give me a break. And so, you know, yeah, I, I absolutely. Uh, but uh, also, Mark, I'm going to tell you that Jimmy and I, you know, Jimmy's usually in the room. Um, and also Frank, you know, and and uh, I sent Frank a little gift. I wanted him to have something. Uh, That's awesome. Because because he he mentioned something in one of the groups on Clubhouse that he was kind of like trying to find his way, and so you know I just reached out and I sent him a little something that he that can help him with that, and so, but you know, we guys that are listening, people that are watching, if even if it's the replay, uh, Sunday nights on Clubhouse at nineteen hundred Central Standard Time, we have a group called Veterans praying, praising, or whatever pops up. And, you know, we get non-veterans in there. It's not a closed group. Right. But uh, it's a bunch of veterans who have, you know, gone through whatever, and we we have that walk with Christ uh, that started the group, and that's why I named it that way, you know, because, you know, 
whatever. But anyway, th- so we've gone. Let me, let me, let me uh, uh, Jared, let me piggyback off of that. So, um, interestingly enough, um, I think you know me. I, I, I do a lot of work with veteran service organizations. Uh, I try to support um, veterans locally and nationally. And um, and our that um, and and uh, and Frank and, and Mark, you know, your testimonies are really what propels us. And, and these type of stories, like you just pointed out, Jr., is, is what fuels us to keep on doing what we do, and especially in a veteran community. So I'm I'm really excited. Uh, this is the first media um, media appearance I've had in in a, in a while, so I get to announce this on, on your guys' show. But um, I asked you about it. I'm sorry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, I'm I, comments I, right now. <laughs> I just got selected as a um, a presidential scholar for the GW Bush Center Veteran Stand to Leadership Program, which is a super competitive program of veterans, thousands of veterans all across the country um, applied for it. And, and luckily enough, uh, I was able to make it into the program and uh, 51 of us will be working with the center to work on veteran initiatives to help our community. So we get to do a capstone project, each individual one of us with the support of the center. And my capstone project is going to be a program on veteran empowerment. So, you know, having these type of Sunday moments, these type of fellowships that we have right now, these are the things that empower us to keep on going. This sense of community, this sense of purpose, this sense of pride, me me being able to see the amazing stuff that you and Connie did, does encourages me. So I, 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 I'm I so excited for that program. It's a six-month program. We actually fly out to Dallas. So I'll be down in Texas. So I might, I might have to stop by and, 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 and make a quick look one weekend to come see you guys. But we're, um, we'll be there for, for, for a couple of days each month um, really working on this project. So uh, I'm just I'm just honored to be part of the program, and I can't wait to make an even bigger impact in our national uh, veteran uh, community. Man, uh, congratulations! Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I have to correct you. You said you were lucky enough. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> luck. Yeah, there's no luck about that. Yeah. All right, come on. There you go. It was it was all God uh, God driven. It was. It was a tough process. They uh, they they go through a pretty lengthy background check and um, interview process and, and applications. And I actually applied in 2019 for the 2020 program, and it got put on hold. So luckily, they kept my application. They remembered me, and they asked me to interview for it, and it it, it worked out. So to God be the glory. You're right, Connie. To God be the glory. That's right. To God be the glory. And yeah, when you come down to Dallas our families need to sit down at some point and break bread. Cause you're just an amazing person. And it, as we were going through this, like me and Connie were just like, Oh my God, like we, we have so much in common. We really that's do. Dope. But you know, I think if enough Christians sat around and, and fellowshiped, you would find that we have a lot in common because God yes. works with all of us, mm-hmm. you know? And so anyway, listen, uh, I know we're dragging us out, but I want you to pray us out. Cause you know, I love the way you pray. <laughs> and uh, if you'll uh, if you'll pray us out, brother, and then what I'm going to do is when you're done praying, uh, I'm going to put you in the green room. I'm going to close this show and I'll go right back to you. And so just hang tight. Awesome. No, no worries. Let's go before the, the Lord in prayer. And this is the thing I love about prayer and something that we say in the room, um, the room and clubhouse sometimes is, as well, is that, you know, even though I'm praying, it, it doesn't mean that you're not part of this experience. It doesn't mean that you're not praying intentionally. Um, God loves intentional, specific 
prayer. So if there's something on your heart, there's something in your family, there's something in your community that um, God wants to hear it from you individually, but there's so much power in this um, communal um, prayer, the con congressional um, congregational prayer that um, things can move and things to shift. Prayer still works. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Most holy and all wise God, King of kings and Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. That means you have had your hand on everything that has already transpired and what is yet to transpire. We ask you right now to move on our behalf each and every last one that is in the sound of my voice individually. You know what's on our heart. You know our desires. You know our needs and our wants. We petition unto you right now in the mighty name of Jesus to move on our behalf. We ask you to be the great way maker that we know that you are. Make a way for people to get out of depression. Make a way for people to get out of financial debt. Make a way for people to grow spiritually. Make a way for building up marriages and, and make a way to Build us up so we can be closer to you, Lord God. We ask you to move on the sick and afflicted. We ask you to move on the shut-in, Lord God. We ask a special prayer right now for you to move in Honduras, Lord God. Allow that church to grow. Allow that church to be built. Allow for your Holy Spirit to be in the midst, Lord God. And let there be a testimony that comes out of it, Lord God, that reaches through from sea to shining sea. We ask right now for you to touch all of our military-affected families, Lord God. You know what we deal with. You know with the trauma. You know with the hurt. We know with the pain. Lord God, we know you as the great comforter, and we know you as the great healer. We ask you to restore right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, if there's sin in the midst, if anything that I have said has been misspoken, if there's anything that's not according to your word, we ask you to forgive it right now, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, so it does not harm us in the day of judgment. But most of all, Lord God, we ask that your saving grace continues to be in our lives, that you continue to give us this path of salvation and this road of righteousness for us to go in Jesus' mighty name. Now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest rule in the Bible is now and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty and miraculous name we pray. Amen. Amen. Woo! Amen. Come on, brother. Amen. All right, listen, uh, hang tight for a second. I'm going to close the show, and I'll come right back to you. Appreciate you guys. God bless. This has been awesome. You, brother. You're awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, folks, that's a God Country Coffee episode. At, did I say that right? I don't know. Uh, episode 27, uh, Jimmy White the Fourth. Uh, I put all his links in the in the deal. I forgot to scroll his his uh, his web address, but if you look up Jimmy White the Fourth, uh, his website is the first one that pops up. You can see some of the great things that he's doing. You can reach out to him and ask him for um, he, he does uh, speaking engagements and whatnot. Uh, and so, uh, thanks for watching. Next week we're going to be on the road. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, you'll hear it during the week. Until then, treat each other the way God intended us to treat one another with love, kindness, and respect. And uh, until we see you next time, God bless. And Mama Alanis did kill it.